Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to talk to you about this the subject of being well or being healthy. I know that you've been in a series, a Welcome Home series, kind of talking about the culture of this family. One of the things I know is that when we are healthy within ourselves, we have a better chance of being healthier with others. Right? Healthy people have a better chance of making a healthy marriage. And healthy couples have a better chance of producing healthy children or growing a healthy family. Healthy people have a better chance of being a healthy part of a healthy church. So I want to talk to us about being healthy. And this doesn't apply to some. This applies to every one of us in this room. Because we all have areas in our lives that we could be healthier in. Is that right? I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a a gentleman named Michael Plant. Michael Plant was the single most accomplished American solo sailor. In other words, he he sailed all alone with no crew. Michael had logged over 100,000 miles and had sailed around the world three times. In 1992, Michael Plant purchased a sailboat whose name was the Coyote. The Coyote was um, docked there in the New York Harbor. And immediately upon purchasing it, Michael Plant entered the Coyote into a race that was to begin in France. And so he began his journey from New York to France. 11 days into his journey, again, this is 1992, 11 days into his journey, Michael Plant became unreachable. They did everything they could to, to reach him, but couldn't. They sent out search, search teams and weren't able to locate Michael Plant. 32 days into his journey from New York to France, a cargo ship found Michael Plant, it was actually the same day that the race in France was to start. They found the coyote. It was upside down. The 85-foot mast was pointed straight into the ocean floor. The sails were still rigged. There was no puncture in the hull, and the rudder was still operational. The problem was that the 8,400-pound ballast had separated from the coyote and was somewhere on the ocean floor. The fundamental principle of sailing is that there has to be more weight under the waterline than above it so that no matter the intensity of the wind or the waves, the weight in that ballast, which is there at the bottom of the sailboat, the, the the weight that's in the ballast the weight that is unseen can keep the boat upright and stable. Once the ballast was gone, Michael Plant's skill 
made no difference. The coyote, which was literally high tech, wasn't enough to keep the boat upright. It had no chance of survival. And what a boat is to a sail, what a ballast is to a sailboat, a healthy soul is to you and I. Because we all have a life above the waterline, right? It's what everybody sees when we come into church, right? We've been fighting on the way to church, but when they come in, we got that water, that, bless you, brother, praise Jesus. All is good, right? We all have a life above, above the waterline, but we also all have a hidden life below it. And that life below it, which should be the weight of our lives, which should offer the stability that we need to stay upright, regardless of the wind and the waves, is our soul. And if we're going to live the life God intended us to, we have to make sure that our unseen life is healthy in order to keep us steady. Because many times what we invest in is what everybody sees when the truth is what really matters is what no one sees but God. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, John says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to prosper. I want you to be healthy, but in conjunction with your soul. Let me just remind us today that our soul, that we are triune beings. There are three parts to us. You know that there in the book of Genesis, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit said, let us make man in our image. So he, God, we were created as triune beings. That we all have a body, we all have a soul, and we all have a spirit. Our spirit is what connects to God. Our soul is our mind or our thoughts our will or our decisions, and our emotions or our feelings or affections. Our soul, when we talk about our soul, we're talking about our mind, our will, and our emotions or our thoughts, our decisions, and our affections. A healthy soul will keep us upright when the wind and waves come. But let me just tell you, just like Michael Plant, even though his sailboat was high tech, had the latest technology, even though he was the most accomplished solo sailor in, in American history, listen, none of that mattered once the weight was disconnected. And it doesn't matter how long you've been serving Jesus. It doesn't matter how often you're in church. In the end, what really matters is that connection in your soul to God, in your spirit to God. Because what is unseen is what will keep us steady in the midst of the storm. I want to take you to John chapter 5 this morning. I want to take you to John chapter 5, and I want to read a, a story there in that chapter. And I just want to make four observations from this passage. Let's read it. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, 
which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Remember that, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the, the, man, the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. I want to give you four steps to being well. Uh, that seems pretty simple. Here's four steps and they'll take you. No, it's just, it's really four steps to take inventory of your life. It's really four steps for us to each look at ourselves and see where we are in our journey to be healthy or healthier. Number one is this. If you want to be well, decide you want to be well. If you want to be well, decide that you want to be well. Jesus approaches a man who's been lame for 38 years and the Bible tells us that Jesus knew he had been there that a long time. And he asked him what seems to be one of the most foolish questions in scripture when he looks at a lame man who's been lame for 38 years and says, do you want to be well? Now I know Jesus, fully God, fully man, all the wisdom of God. I know he's smarter than us, but this sure seems like a foolish question, doesn't it? It's okay, you can be honest. We're, we're gonna get past this. It seems like a fully, foolish question to ask a, a lame man, do you want to be well? And even though this seems like a silly question, it's actually a great question because the truth is not everyone wants to be well or not everyone wants to change. Oh, we talk about wanting to be well but not everyone wants to take, do what it takes to become well. There are many here, maybe today, who though things are not going well in your life, in your marriage, your finances, you really, even though you're not well, even though you're not happy, even though you're not content, you're still not willing to change. There's a certain comfort there's a certain security and familiarity at times to our misery. And if we're not careful, we will learn how to function in our dysfunction. And what others see as dysfunctional, we'll begin to see as normal, and this is just who I am. My dad was this way, my grandfather was this way. This is, can I just share this with you? Just because something comes natural to you doesn't mean it's healthy for you. When I'm counseling people, um, they will say something to the effect of, I mean, I know I do that, but it's just who I am. Well, just because that's who you are 
Do you want to stay lame or do you want to be well? Just because it's what comes natural to you doesn't mean it's what's healthy for you. Tara, Tara is not a dog person. Tara and my oldest, Gabby, they don't like dogs. My youngest loves dogs, and I can take it or leave it. But a while back, I decided to petition Tara on behalf of Madeline to try to get us a dog, and I won. And we got a dog. The problem is the dog was demon-possessed. I'm telling you, it felt like that dog could eat a couch. It was a small dog. It chewed up the entire, it just chewed up everything we had. But one thing I learned about that dog is that we would take him to the groomer and we would get him back and we'd pick him up and we had spent however much money, however much, it was just too much money, whatever it was. It was over a dollar, so it was too much on that dog. And he smelled nice, and he had that little ribbon around his neck, right? And then we would let him outside in the backyard, literally after coming home from the groomer, and he would go find the stinkiest thing he could find to roll around in and waste our money. Tara cast him out from the house. We don't have that dog anymore. But many times we do the same thing. God wants to set us free. God has freedom for us. God has deliverance from us. But we find ourselves rolling around in the same things that keep creeping up over and over and over again. And we've got to decide, do we want to be well or not? Do we want to change or do we want to just stay the same and complain how we are? The question is, are you happy with where you are? in your marriage, in your finances, with your children, in your prayer life, in your, uh, your, your connection to uh, healthy relationships. There was obviously something in Jesus' tone or in Jesus' manner that caused this man to be honest. And when we see this, I think it is the reason why Jesus asked such a silly question. Jesus asking a 38-year-old man, if he, lame man, if he wants to be well, when Jesus said, do you want to be well, let's be honest, there's only one answer, right? If you're lame for 38 years and Jesus says, do you want to be well, what is the answer? One word, yes, one syllable. I'm not even good in school and I know that's one syllable. My good LCA education. But this is, that man didn't say yes. That man didn't say yes. This is what he said. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. He begins to make excuses why he can't be well. He's looking at Jesus. Certainly, uh, the, the word had traveled that Jesus had been healing people, that dead people were not alive, were now alive. Blind people could now see, lame people could now walk. But when he's standing before, before Jesus and Jesus says, do you want to be well? He begins to tell Jesus why he can't be well. And sometimes we do the exact same thing. 
We do the exact same thing. We make excuses of why we can't change. Can I just tell you? The place many people never come to is simply allowing God to do in us what only God can do in us. Right? That when we take steps in the right direction and God meets us and God begins to, to, to help us on that journey. Listen, today, if you want to be well, all you got to do is go, God, I want to be well. I want to begin to take steps. You're not going to fix everything today, but you got to begin taking some healthy steps, right? We can do what we can do and then Jesus will do what only Jesus can do. And this is the place that many people never come to, simply surrendering. The lame man is saying, I've tried everything and I have failed. I lack the ability on my own. I need you. And let me just stop here for a moment. Because I think one of the things that's lacking or that's keeping us from having a healthy soul is the fact that we're not vulnerable enough with God. Can I just tell you, if you want a healthy marriage, it requires vulnerability. You can't have a healthy marriage without being vulnerable with each other, right? You want healthy relationships, you can't have healthy relationships without vulnerability. And let me just say this, I think sometimes we put on a show for God instead of being vulnerable with God. Many of us come from traditional religion. And traditional religious, religion taught us that we've got to jump, to hoop, jump through hoops to get to God. Can I just tell you, that is not true. Romans 10, 13 still, still says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whether that's from sin or from drugs or from addiction, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. But I think what happens is we try to perform for God so that he will accept us when really the truth is God wants vulnerability. When I pull my daughters aside and I want to have a conversation with them, I don't want them to tell me the right things. I want them to be honest with me. Jesus is our example. Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus chose to leave heaven in order to come to earth, to take upon himself the form of a servant in order to live among us and die for us. But when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before Jesus' betrayal, Jesus multiple times, he's there with his disciples. You remember this story? The disciples fall asleep when they're supposed to be praying. I can kind of relate. Multiple times, Jesus says this to his father. Jesus knew he came here to die for us. And Jesus basically says, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Father, at one point he used the word Abba, which means daddy. Dad, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass from me. I, I, I don't want to do, I know this is what I signed up for, but this isn't what I want to do. I have a feeling that if we were in the garden with Jesus, we would have given him some scriptures to quote. You need to just quote, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Right? Listen, in that moment, what Jesus did with his father is that he got honest and vulnerable. And I think it would be to our benefit to do the exact same thing and follow the example of Jesus and begin to tell God where we really are. 
and begin to be vulnerable with God in our time of prayer to be honest so that God can help us. Do you want to be well? The second step to being well is simply this. Be willing to do what seems impossible. The man's lame for 38 years. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. This was impossible. It hadn't happened in 38 years. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking about an area of your life that you know if you were able to surrender that or move beyond that, that you would be healthier. But you're sitting here going, this is who I've always been. This is who I will always be. Listen to me. Jesus wouldn't have asked the lame man to rise if it wasn't possible. And he wouldn't call you out of your dysfunction if it wasn't possible. When God tells you to do something, it's possible. When God tells you to stop doing something, guess what? It's possible. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Psalms 37, 4. That if we acknowledge God in all of our way, or it says that, that God will give us the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean God will give us everything we want. It means that God will put desires within us. And when you begin to think about being healthy and what you would love to walk beyond and move past, I believe that's the desire that God has put in you so that you can be healthy because God wants us well. And the desire of God or the, the, the calling of God is the enabling of God. I promise you this, if you will trust God, God will help you to get well. Recently, I was with someone who had been in church for years and years and years, and they'd fallen away from God. They'd gotten caught up in some addiction. And as I sat there with him, he simply said this, I can't live the Christian life. I tried it. I can't do it. I can't be free from this. And maybe some of you are thinking the same thing. Listen, if God has called you to freedom, then freedom is possible for you. Freedom is possible for you. Number three, you got to remove all possibility of a relapse. Jesus said, rise Pick up your mat, take your bed and walk. You know what Jesus was saying? Don't leave stuff here because you're not coming back here again. And I think sometimes God sets us free, but we leave a backup plan in place. We leave a backup plan in place just in case Jesus doesn't work out. Listen to me. If you want to be free, you better pick up your mat and start walking a different direction. When Jesus heals us, when Jesus sets us free, we need to make a clean break with the past. I I recently preached this for Pastor Randy's men's Bible study, and I'm going to say to you what I said to them. When I was preparing that morning, I was praying, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit told me to say it that morning, but I'm saying it again this morning. 
If we want to be free, we've got to make a break from the past. And I'm telling you right now, some of you need to delete some phone numbers in your cell phone. Some of you need to delete some contacts in your phone because it's a backup plan for you. When things aren't good at home, you find that number, even if you don't reach out to that person. Listen, you need to delete some stuff and move beyond that stuff so that God can take you to the next step and so that you can be well. The problem is many times we don't make a break from the past and we're carrying all of our junk that God wants to set us free from. Luke 9, 62 says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I just want to ask you a question. What keeps resurfacing in your life? Maybe for you, the question is, who keeps resurfacing in your life? Listen, you need to burn that bridge. You need to burn that bridge so that you can be well. Number four, Expect God's power to enable you to remain well. Jesus says, get up and walk. Sometimes when Jesus is calling us to walk, we just want him to carry us. Right? Lord, you do this for me. Make it easy for me. Can I just tell you, some things will never be easy. Even that they're possible with Jesus, some things are never going to be easy. This Christian faith, this journey we're on is a walk of faith. Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a continual thing that we do day by day. Can I just tell you? That as you begin to walk, that God begins to walk with you. It's in our obedience that miracles begin to take place. If you go to John chapter 6, you know the story of Jesus feeding the, the multitude with the little boy's lunch, right? Jesus has this, theologians say it's probably 15,000, 5,000 plus men and women, there's probably about 15,000 people there and they need to feed them and Jesus takes the little boy's lunch. Here's a biblical principle, even though it doesn't really apply here, but this is a biblical principle. Jesus takes what isn't enough and the Bible says he looks to heaven and blesses it. Listen, Sometimes what we do is just complain about what's not enough, but Jesus, our example, is blessing what's not enough. Because the, the difference between us and Jesus in that moment is we have our eyes fixed on what's not enough. Jesus had his eyes fixed on his father who was always enough. Right? And so the Bible says that Jesus took what wasn't enough. You read it in John chapter six. He looked to heaven and blessed it. And then he gave his disciples what wasn't enough and told them to go feed 15,000 people. And you know what happened? It was in their obedience that the miracle took place. You go to Jesus' very first miracle. You know it, turning water into wine. Some of you, that's your favorite story in the Bible. So um, he's turning water into wine. You're like, Jesus, if you did it then, you can do it. Anyway, so um, I'm never coming back here, am I? So Jesus is there, and they're out of wine, and uh, Mary looks at 
that, that, that the disciples, and, they, and he says, she says, and listen, this is the last thing Mary, that we see Mary say recorded in, in, in the Bible, when she simply looks at him and looks, says, do whatever he tells you to do. That's the last words Mary speaks in scripture. Just do what Jesus tells you to do. Don't look to me, look to Jesus. And you know, he has them fill up six pots full of water. And then he tells them, bring this to the master of the ceremony. They're bringing water when the master of the ceremony needs wine. But it was in their obedience, bringing what wasn't enough, that Jesus, that God worked a miracle and it became enough. Listen, I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I know this. If you'll begin to take steps, God will do what you cannot do and he will take what's not enough and make it enough and he will work a miracle in you. But it starts with our obedience. And I know, again, we, try, we, we talk about, well, we, I tried that, it didn't work. That's like going to the gym where everybody is walking, working out and you walking in and turning around and go, well, I went to the gym, it didn't work for me. <laughs> but I tried that excuse with Tara, right? Baby, I, when, I look, when I go to join a gym, I'm looking at the vending machines because, you know, that's important when you go join a gym. Tara's like, why are you bringing all those quarters to the gym? Baby, don't want you to worry about it. It's, it. Just trust me. I'm over there eating little Debbie snacks, right? So anyway, I just want to be well. I just want to be well. Listen, you got to put in some effort and then God will take you to the next step. I want to ask you real quick before we wrap up. I want, I want you to take inventory of your life. When we talk about taking a step, I want you to take inventory of your life in these last few moments. And I want to ask you these few questions. If you're here today and you would say, I made a commitment to Christ, I want to ask you a few questions. Number one, have you turned from your sin? One of my favorite passages in the gospels is, the story of the tax collector who was a thief who goes into the temple at the same time a religious leader goes into the temple to pray. And the Bible says that the religious leader began to remind God of how good he was, how, how good he was, all he had done for the poor and all he had. And the Bible says that the tax collector literally couldn't even lift his head but beat his brow and beg God for mercy. And Jesus said, this man is closer to me. I'm not asking you today if you've conquered sin. I just want to make sure that it's a struggle and you haven't given into it. Because that's a huge difference. Listen, if you're struggling with sin and it's a struggle, just keep struggling. But when you give in to sin and you say, well, this is just who I am, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So have you turned from your sins? Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Second question I want to ask you is this. Do you study and memorize scripture? Do you study and memorize scripture? Listen, I think that we complicate this. And I th again, I think religion steps in and we think we've got to do all this stuff when really, 
We just need to find time to connect with God through his word. Every year I, I, I attempt to read through the Bible in the year. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't, right? And this year, I just decided I was going to be as simple as I could. And I literally just, I just made it so, so simple. Listen to me. Don't complicate your relationship with God. Don't do nothing because you feel like you can't do enough. Just take a step. Just do something. Ladies, can I speak to you for a minute? I hadn't planned on talking about this, but... I talked about this last week at Midtown for Father's Day. You know, one of the differences between men and women is when women don't know how to do something, y'all figure it out. Right? When women don't know how to do something, y'all figure it out. When men don't know how to do something, we do nothing. Right? Because we're ego-driven and we don't want to admit we don't know what we're doing. So over and over, women will go, I just want my, my husband to be the spiritual leader of the home. I get that. I get that. But then when we start talking about it, like she wants him like quoting Greek and Hebrew like the pastor. Like there, I was talking to a couple not long ago and she was just complaining to her husband. Her husband's in church every week, but he's not spiritually leading like she wants him to. And, and then finally she said, I just want him to be like Pastor Scott. Now, Pastor Scott has two doctorates right? He's smarter than all of us combined. Well, maybe, uh, yeah, well, well, maybe. Anyway, so <laughs> I saw a few smart people in here. I just remember maybe. Um, I'm like, Pastor Scott has his own problems. Can I just tell you, when Pastor Gabe goes home, his kids are not asking for Greek and Hebrew. They're not worried about how much he knows about the Bible. They want him to be a dad, right? And listen, can I just tell you, Pastor Gabe has his own issues, because we all do. Let me tell you what Pastor Gabe's issue. No, 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 anything. <laughs> Men, you don't have to be Pastor Gabe to do something with your family. Just make it simple. When our kids were growing up, here, this is a good website for you. Josh.org. Josh, J-O-S-H dot org. Josh McDowell does a family devotion on that website every single day. There's a verse of scripture, there's a key thought, and there's a story. Just go read that to your family and then pray. Just don't complicate what doesn't have to be complicated. The the, the goal is relationship, not performance. And, And let me, so do you study and memorize scripture? Listen, If you are dealing with repetitive sin, the same sin keeps creeping up over and over and over again. The Bible tells us how to fix that. Psalms 119.11, David said, I have stored up in your, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Get you some index cards and write some good scriptures and just read them through the day and memorize them. Begin to store up God's word in your heart so that you don't fall into that same sin over and over and over again. The next question I would ask you is this, do you have godly relationships in your life? Can I just tell you, not everybody needs to know our issue, but somebody needs to know our issue. Next thing I would ask you is this, have you been baptized in water? 
Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Listen, baptism isn't essential for salvation, but if you haven't been baptized, it may indicate a heart that is not totally surrendered to God or not walking completely in obedience to his word. If you've repented but not, being, but not been baptized, that represents partial obedience. And I don't know how it works at your house, but I tell my kids partial obedience is disobedience, right? Do you have a prayer life? Are you praying? Are you praying? You want a great, a great maybe some of you are struggling in your prayer life. I get that. You, if you write this down, and go download this sermon, it will be to your benefit. Just put in Church of the Highlands, 21 seconds to change your world. Church of the Highlands, 21 seconds to change your world, and it is an incredible sermon about a simple, simple pattern of prayer that will benefit you. Do you deny yourself? Matthew 10, 38 through 39. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Listen, if you wanna be well, you gotta take some healthy steps. And we can't keep doing the same thing we've done and complain about not being healthy, not being well. We gotta take a step. Would you bow your heads today? I want to do two things as we prepare to wrap up. The first question I want to ask you is this. Maybe you're here today and we talk about God enabling us and God empowering us to be healthy or to be well. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Christ. You're here today and you've never simply said yes to Jesus. You've never taken the steering wheel of your life and handed it to Jesus because he could drive better. You're here today and you're away from God. You've never made a commitment to Christ. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is who he says he is and he was raised from the dead, Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I simply want to give you an opportunity before we leave today to call on Jesus, to be your savior, but also to be your Lord. If you're here today and you say, I need to make a commitment to Christ, I just want you to simply raise your hand right where you are and put it right back down. Just raise your hand, put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today? I want to pray a prayer. I want to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I, there's Salvation isn't in this prayer. I'm just going to pray a prayer to help you articulate what God is doing in your heart. Can we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Today, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would help me to live for you. 
and that you would do something real in me. I thank you today that according to your word, my sins are forgiven. I'm now right with God and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your heads bowed. Keep your heads bowed. I just wanna ask you one other question. If you're here today and you would say, I won't embarrass you, I just want your hand up and down. If you're here today and you would say, I know that God's putting his finger on an area of my life that I have to deal with in order to be well, I just want you to put your hand up and put it right back down. Yep, all over the auditorium, all over the auditorium. Why don't you, everybody stand at your feet. Let's all stand at our feet today. And let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word never returns void. God, that it is that two-edged sword that does surgery on us that Hebrews 4.12 speaks about. And Lord, this morning as you've done surgery, God, I pray that we would simply surrender to you. Lord, that we would let you begin to do in us what only you can do. God, that we would begin to take steps of obedience and as we do, that you would work miracles. Father, we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I pray that our lives will be marked by the abundant life that is available only in Jesus Christ. Father, set people free today. Set people free today. Lord, let us not go back to what seems normal. Let us strive for what is healthy. Father, do in us what only you can do. We pray the same with the Father, the Son, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And everybody said amen. And amen. Can we thank Jesus today?